What is up, everyone? It is the Annie Up Podcast presented by Fantasy Farm, part of the Sawdust Podcast Network. I'm Adam Ronis, and joining me today, it is Tara Roberts. You can find her at Dynasty Vipers. Also, she contributes to Fantasy Pros. Tara, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be talking to you. Definitely. I mean, it is crunch time. Uh, fantasy football draft season. We got about a week to go before the season kicks off as uh, my Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. We'll probably get their asses kicked in Tampa Bay. I'm hoping that's <laughs> not the case. But uh, do you have a football team? I do. I am a Packers fan. Oh, OK. Yes. Uh, how did you become a Packers fan? I mean, people ask me that. How are you a Cowboys fan living in growing up <laughs> in New York? And I had that story. But how did you become a Packers fan? Yeah, actually. So I I'm in Houston, but I grew up in South Carolina. So no, there's no logical regional connection. But in my defense, um, when I was young, the Panthers weren't a franchise yet. So um, technically, I guess I could have been a Falcons fan, but um, but there was no Carolina team at the time. And I guess I was watching the 97 Super Bowl and in my family. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not, but in my family back in the day, um, you know, we used to, you know, just do fun family bets on the Super Bowls or the big Super Bowl parties and, uh, kids got to be participants as well. And so I got to do a little bet on the Packers and they won me some, a little bit of money, you know, a lot for a child. And <laughs> I was a Packers fan ever since I love Brett Favre and, you know, just couldn't get enough of the Packers growing up. Huge fan. Yeah. See, everyone has a story you can root for, cause people were giving me crap. They're like, Oh, yeah, you're not rooting for your hometown team. And as far as I know, there's no rule that says you have to root for the team where you grow exactly. up. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think in football, we we have that all the time. I have a friend who's a Panthers fan, and it's because I guess when he started really getting into football, he didn't have a team. So he said, all right, I'm going to go with the expansion team Panthers. I don't know why he chose the Panthers over Jacksonville, but I guess in the <laughs> end it worked out because they are a little bit better. But we're going to talk about some risers and fallers. Obviously, we've seen a lot of movement in ADP and players moving up draft boards over the last couple of weeks. So um, I want to get some of your risers. So one of them uh, is Damian Harris, Damian Harris from the Patriots. I think you know it's a little obvious in some instances, but were mm-hmm. you high on him before Cam Newton departed? Um, are you still willing to pay the price? He has moved up. I've seen him go in the sixth round. I did a NFFC online championship draft the other night, 12 team league. He went seven, two. This was, oh, this was Monday night though. I think this was before. Yeah. This was before Cam uh, got yeah. cut. Uh, and I was going to take him at seven, three. Uh, so he went one pick before me, but, uh, Damien Harris, how high has he moved up your draft board? So he's moved up a lot. I think he's um, a solid uh, low end RB2. And for me, uh, you know, I promise I do have video and roster evidence that I was drafting Damian Harris and huge on Damian Harris before uh, both before the Sony Michelle trade and before the Cam Akers uh, or and before the Cam Newton departure as well. So um, so for me, I've, I've been there. Uh, I was pretty adamant and pretty confident that, you know, Sony Michelle wouldn't be on the roster to start the season and that I didn't think that Cam was going to get cut. That was a little dramatic. I wasn't prepared for that, but I thought, uh, as we moved a little bit further into the season that at some point Mac Jones would take over. And so at that point, Mac Jones taking over, I mean, the big thing for Damian Harris, he was excellent last year when he got 15 plus carries in a game, um, high yards per carry, multiple 100 games. Um, and the you know, only knock was that he just didn't have opportunities for goal line carries because that is Cam. 
So he was always just one touchdown away. And I think now with Mac Jones, he finally gets that. I'm not worried about the PPR aspect of having James White or even JJ Taylor taking pass catching away from him. I don't think he needs that. Um, it can be more of a, more of a, a light version of Chubb. And I'm, I'm good with the situation. I don't think Ramadre, uh, Ramadre Stevenson's really going to be a huge factor as a rookie. And I just think it's really, really good year for him that he's going to be a solid RB2 to end up. Yeah, I, I wasn't very high on him in early drafts. For me, I'm someone who plays in a lot of leagues with three wide receivers of flex and sometimes three wide receivers and two flexes. So I go heavy wide receiver. But with that build, I'm open to Damian Harris. As I alluded to the other day, I, I wanted to get him as my RB2 and I was sniped. And that's going to happen in a draft room where you have sharks and people are paying good money. Obviously, in your home leagues, we know it's not the same. Not everyone is consuming the same content and listening to these podcasts. They're just you know, last minute opening up a magazine or printing out a cheat sheet. Uh, so I think you might be able to get Damian Harris a little bit cheaper. So he he definitely has risen up my rankings for me because I think you as a solid RB two, if you go wide receiver heavy, get a tight end early, I'm open to taking Harris as my RB two. And I think that offense will look good. Another one you have is Alvin Kamara. I'm assuming then you're moving him up to two. He's been a first round pick, or is this just the case of you like him better with Jameis Winston at quarterback? Yeah, no, you've got it exactly right. Um, so I you know how much higher can you get on a guy who's typically ranked at number four overall? Um, but you know, if it was if it wouldn't look like the most foolish move ever uh, <laughs> in my heart, Kamara's my 101, but you know, I could never not draft CMC as the as the 101 if I've got that. But um, I'm super comfortable with Kamara. He's constantly my RB3 in mark drafts and, and mock drafts. And at this point, I'm very willing to consider him at uh, RB2 and take him over Derek Henry or and take him over uh, Dalvin Cook. And for me, it's exactly what you said. I, I like the transition to Jameis as a starter versus Taysom Hill. It's going to be a much better opportunity and open so many things up. And then on top of that, it's, you know, it's the wide receiver situation. I'm very skeptical of Michael Thomas and the time frame that he's actually going to come back when he is eligible to even come back. Um, and so from that perspective, I do like Marquez Callaway, but I think Kamara is essentially the wide receiver one in that offense at this point. Yeah, he definitely is. They lack weapons. They have to get the ball in his hands. I think even if Taysom Hill was the quarterback that he would still get the ball to Kamara, maybe not to the level of Winston, who is not going to rush as much as a Taysom Hill in that last game that Hill played with Kamara, he did start passing the ball. And I would have thought that Sean Payton would say, Hey, he is our playmaker. You have to find a way to get him the ball. The only concern I have for Kamara is what if this offense isn't good? You know, that's the key, because mm -hmm. if he's not scoring touchdowns, it's going to be a problem. He's never had more than 200 carries in his career. Uh, 194 was the high mark in 2018. And I don't think they want to give him more than 200. I think we know what we're getting in the passing game, right? Look at the receptions, 81, 81, 81. He had to ruin it last year by adding two more to get to 83, <laughs> uh, but 100 targets in three of the last four years. But I, I'm i worried that maybe we see a year like two years ago. He had five rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdowns. If he does that, it's going to be a problem. So that's going to be the key. We know his talent. We know he's going to get the ball. I think all those running backs have question marks. You can even argue Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook with the injuries they've had. 
But I think you are going to see Kamara start to go too. Uh, I think you will see that in some drafts over the next week. So uh, it makes sense. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to put him as a riser only because that means you're saying, I feel better about him taking him two or three, whereas maybe four or five, there were question marks. So with this change of quarterback, you're pushing him a little higher. So it definitely makes sense. But now you're going to dig a little deeper here because you have <laughs> Zach Wilson. And it's pretty interesting. Everyone's talking about every other rookie quarterback, Fields, Lance, Lawrence. There hasn't been much love for Zach Wilson. Why is he rising up your board? So honestly, I was never a really big believer in Zach Wilson um, before these preseason games. You know, even even in Superflex, I was kind of like, you know, I I would rather go a bunch of different directions than having Zach Wilson as my QB2. Um, even guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, things that are just more reliable than knowing what you're going to get out of Zach Wilson. But, um, you know, the preseason, it did make me a believer. He looks good because all my problems with him were is that I just I was worried that he wasn't like. I don't have any concerns about Mac Jones being ready to play. I don't have concerns about Trevor or Justin Fields. I've seen these guys over and over and over again. I'm a Clemson fan. So unfortunately, like over and over and over again, um, playing at such a high level with NFL caliber play. And, you know, they're prepared for that. And I was just worried that Zach Wilson wasn't. But as he's got out there in the preseason, he just he looks so poised, controlled. He's making smart choices. And those are things that indicate to me that he is ready to play. He's not going to have those mistakes that I thought he was going to have. And, you know, to my surprise, I wasn't huge on Corey Davis either, but um, he's looking great as well. And I think there's going to be a nice connection between the two of them. Um, they had one game where they connected on four receptions for 70 tar- or for 70 yards, and they just look really good. And it shows a lot of promise. And I'm completely comfortable with him now as a, you know, as a late QB two and super flex and keeping your eyes on him and waivers and redraft, because, you know, while he's not going to go off the board in you know, your regular 12 team leagues, you know, it's something that you do have to pay attention to because it's very possible. They're going to throw a ton and he's going to get an opportunity right off the bat to showcase his capabilities and be one of those guys. That's an early waiver wire pickup. Yeah, I I could see that, you know, especially if you're in a league where you play one quarterback and you just like to have a backup on the roster that has a high ceiling. You know, that could be a player that you pick up off waivers. And whoever says the preseason doesn't matter, they're such a liar because (laughs) Corey Davis was going in the 10th, 11th round of best ball drafts like in July. And I saw him go in the fifth round of a high stakes league draft the other night. Yep. I know he's not going that high in most drafts, but he's going now like the sixth, seventh, maybe eighth round. So he's definitely moving up. And what is it based on? It's based on the preseason. There's nothing else. You, everyone watched the games where he was targeted time after time from Wilson. So the preseason absolutely plays a role. And a lot of times people say, oh, it doesn't matter, but it's reflected in draft rooms. 100%. All right, someone else moving up, and this guy's moved up, down, up, down. It's <laughs> yes. Daryl Daryl Henderson. So, and I'm not saying, oh, I knew Cam Akers was going to get hurt, but I went back. And I always like to look back at my early best balls to see, all right, how much Irv Smith do I have? Do mm-hmm. I have any J.K. Dobbins, which I didn't, uh, but I did have quite a bit of Irv Smith. And I saw I was taking Daryl Henderson 10th round, 11th round, and then Akers goes down and never happy about an injury. I mean, we all benefit in some way uh, with players, but you know, I never want to see these guys get hurt. It's their profession. 
it's always painful to lose talented players. So I see a lot of Henderson on my rosters. I'm like, okay. Then they bring in Sony Michelle. There was some speculation by some people. Oh, Sony Michelle is going to be the lead back. We still kind of don't know. You're still feeling good about Henderson because he's actually dipped a little bit. I've seen him go in the sixth round now, and mm-hmm. that, that that could be a buying opportunity. Do you see it that way? Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. I think, you know, what you said about his ADP jumping up and down, it's been crazy. You know, you had, you know, speculation, you know, he's going to be the main workhorse. Are they going to bring someone in in free agency? Uh, the thumb injury, now Sonny Michelle. You know, it's it's gone all over the place. And overall, he's up. But, you know... I think that the Sony Michelle trade is kind of making people a little bit hesitant and dipping him more into that back end RB2. And for me, I, I think that's a really good place to draft him because, you know, with the I think what happened with Sean McVay is they just started to feel very uncomfortable with their running back situation behind Henderson. There's talent there, but I mean, there's not experience. And now we see Xavier Jones out. It just, it just all makes sense that they went out and got someone like Sony Michelle, who's still young and capable. Um, he's not one of those, you know, veterans and free agency that are still sitting out there, but he's still a very capable back. Um, reports are that he's looking good. And this is kind of going to help with that Henderson ADP, but you know, with McVay, he's been very vocal about Henderson's role within the offense and, and McVeigh McVeigh being vocal, it tends to be pretty consistent. You know, if it's going to be a hot hand situation, like last year, he was very clear with us, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be the guy with the hot hand. It's a running back by committee. He was very clear. And so his insistence that there's going to be big involvement from Henderson, you know, it makes me feel very confident that he's someone that I can rely on now for where he's actually going. Yeah, again, I was uh, looking at him the other night in my draft and uh, he didn't make it back. And if you're talking sixth round at this point, uh, for some people, it'll be their RB3. Uh, For me, it's probably my RB2. Again, I just go wide receiver heavy after getting one running back early. I'm open to taking two running backs. I've always said you have to have a fluid build. You have to go with what the draft room presents to you. Uh, everyone likes to, I'm sure you get these questions. Should I start RBRB or wide receiver, wide receiver? Yep. You can have, yeah, you can have that as a blueprint, but the draft room is going to dictate what you're going to do. You know, you, you can't go in saying I'm going to go RBRB and then you're sitting there at pick 11 and Devontae Adams falls, which never will happen, but I'm just giving an example. Say mm-hmm. 10 running backs go like I'm taking Devontae Adams at that point and I'll come back and get a running back if there's one I like. So you just have to be very fluid with your draft band is something I always preach to people. Uh, your next one is Kenyon Drake. Pretty interesting because no one really talks about Kenyon Drake. And it's funny, too, because my home league draft last week, uh, I got Kenyon Drake as the RB48 off the board. So mm. I wasn't planning to take him, but I'm like, Kenyon Drake's still there. So this goes to show you this is a home league where people are just not really thinking about Kenyon Drake. If I told you some of the names that went in front of him, I'm sure you're probably like, what? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so why is Kenyon Drake a riser for you? Yeah, you know, um, I have been feeling so a strategy that I've been taking pretty early on is hitting RB strong and then hitting wide receiver going on a nice wide receiver run, like you were saying, because especially with a lot of those leagues where you've got three wide receivers starting and multiple flex. I mean, I'm just I'm not going to sit there and take a third running back like a like a Zach Moss or even if you're reaching for like doing it like a Mike Davis, maybe and then hitting your wide receivers. There's too much talent there. So I'm waiting on my RB3 um, if I've got those two strong guys to start off. 
And I find myself going a lot with Kenyon Drake late as a late RB3. And I'm feeling pretty comfortable about it. Um, You know, with the I've always thought that Kenyon Drake wasn't brought in there to split time with Josh Jacobs. Um, The problem is, is that the Raiders just have so much, uh, so many issues within the past game beyond who they're targeting after Waller and getting rid of Nelson Aguilar. And is it going to be, you know, is it going to be Ruggs that steps up? Is it going to be Edwards that steps up? We really don't know, but is that really enough for the pass game? No, I think they went out and got Kenyon Drake to help supplement that pass game. They've never been a team that has actually thrown the ball to any running back. You know, Josh Jacobs doesn't, it does I don't feel like this really affected Josh Jacobs because he doesn't catch the ball like at all. Like he's a very low pass catching back. So I really thought this was to bring in some money that can be a dynamic running back out of the backfield, be on there at the same time as even as Josh Jacobs. And I think he's going to be a great option in PPR. So as long as it's in PPR leagues, I'm feeling pretty comfortable waiting on my third RB and taking a chance that he's going to be decently consistent enough to be a nice fill in option. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's the range of running backs where I'm dipping into and I've already landed them in a league or two. Again, you're not expecting league winning upside. I mean, if something happens to Jacobs, then sure, he goes into a bigger role. But someone that they did pay some money and bring in and should be involved at least heavily in the passing game, maybe even move him to the slot at times. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, come back and look at the fallers for Terra after this on any up. I'm joined by Tara Roberts. You can find her at Dynasty Vipers and we're uh, went over her risers, five risers. Now we're going to take a look at five fallers down her draft board. And we're going to kick it off with someone that Trey Lance. I mean, this guy was moving up draft boards like crazy based on the preseason. In some of the high stakes leagues, people were drafting him as a top 12 quarterback. We know that he's not the starter to begin the season. Uh, he's got a little bit of an injury now that Maybe he's not ready for the opener. We saw in that last uh, preseason game that uh, he was splitting with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, is What is it here? Is the price just too high and you're not willing to pay it? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you were saying about he's he, unfortunately, because of the injury, is not going to start in week one. Jimmy G is going to get a chance to start off the season and they played the Lions. So it is very possible that. Jimmy G goes out there, looks very solid. They win. And why would you immediately after that decide to go ahead and like, we're just going to put in Lance? Uh, You know, a lot of it comes down to the fact that Mike Shanahan is a little shiftier with his words than I feel comfortable with, with where Trey Lance is actually going. And, you know, Shanahan's not tipping us off on what he actually wants to do. Jimmy G hasn't looked bad. Um, Trey Lance, you, he looks, you know, like Trey Lance and he's great, but he hasn't looked like an unstoppable force. There's just no way that we, you know, we as the San Francisco 49ers are not going to start him. And on top of that, we've got, you know, Raheem Mostert is now healthy, it appears, and is going to, you know, be starting the season with Trey Sermon. They're going to have a strong running game as they always do. They're going to hit the run hard and maybe they feel comfortable with letting seeing how things go with Jimmy G starting the season. So we don't really know at what point Trey Lance is going to start getting in there and getting action on a regular basis. So I just, I'm kind of steering clear of it. Yeah. As I said, only drafts unpredictable in mine. Trey Lance went as the sixth quarterback off the board. Oh, wow. And I'm the commissioner and I had to freeze it. Stop a couple of times. People were having issues. 
they got auto picked on J.K. Dobbins, so I had to back it out. And being the nice guy that I am, I don't want someone to get stuck with J.K. Dobbins if they really didn't want him and they were in the draft room. So I backed it out. It did irk me that I have to do it so many times. But I was waiting when Lance was selected. I was like, okay, that was a mistake, right? He was at the top of the queue and he froze. Nothing was said. I said, okay, we move on. To me, Lance comes down to roster construction. If people are going to push him up and take him in the QB1 territory, yeah, I'm not interested. If the price starts to go down a little bit and you have a Tom Brady as your starting quarterback and you get to around 11, 12, 13 and Lance is there and you want to take him, I have no problem with that. He's mm-hmm. got to be the backup quarterback, and it has to be cheap. I'm not going to overpay because the 49ers' schedule is pretty easy, too, especially in the fantasy playoffs. And I don't always want to look that far ahead because teams, as we know them now, are going to be different. But that schedule is so appetizing. So for me, I do have them in some best balls. I didn't overpay. You know, you can like a player, but there comes a point where, well, too, the price is too high. I'm out. You know, it's the yep. same thing just mm-hmm. like in shopping in real life. I mean, I don't know if you love to shop. I really don't. But, you know, you want to get good bargain prices, right? It's kind of the same exactly. thing in fantasy, right? You want to get the proper value. Yep, I completely agree. So for me, Lance, if he's cheap, I will take him because he has that high ceiling as a backup quarterback if he gets in there. Uh, next up is Juju Smith-Schuster. Is this because he did the crate challenge? <laughs> no, it's Did not. you see it? <laughs> I did. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> Such a bad choice. Right? Talk about bad life choices. Like, I understand you're, well, first you're all, athletic. How do, how does, but... <laughs> why do people do this? I, I hope you haven't done it. I don't think, I don't know you well. I'm assuming you haven't done it, right? I have not. <laughs> okay, why are people doing this? Is it people need attention that much on social media? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that has something to do with it. Maybe optimism that they're somehow more athletic than they believe. <laughs> Look, I'm all for doing challenges, but I'm also rational saying, you know, I, this might fail and I don't want to fall and break my neck. So yeah. I don't know. And especially Juju Smith-Schuster, well, like a week before the season, like, what are you doing, Juju? And I like him. I love the personality. He's very available and accessible on social media. But what are you doing, Juju? So is that the reason why Juju's falling for you or no? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a little questionable, but not the reason. Um, you know, I think for me, it just comes down to their pass offense as a whole and the receivers that they have. I mean, and where he's actually being drafted, they're bunched up very close together. Deontay, Juju and Claypool. And for me, Deontay is the clear wide receiver one based off targets. I mean, I don't see a reality where he is not the target leader on that team. That's not going to change. And then I I do think Claypool is going to make a leap in his second year. And I know it's early, um, but someone like, you know, it's possible that Fryermuth becomes someone that Big Ben really loves within the red zone and gives him some opportunities down there and maybe takes away some of those, some of those touchdown opportunities. On top of that, what, you know, also really sells it for me is I have a lot of faith in Najee Harris this season. You know, he is, he is an RB1 territory for me. I think it, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. I haven't been able to do it yet, but I'm comfortable with people that are taking that, him as their RB1. Uh, just based off the fact that the Steelers will run the ball. I think they're going to want to keep a lot on the ground. And when Connor was in the game last year and when he was actually healthy and got 15 plus carries, he had great games. So, you know, I think the Najee is going to play a huge role in the red zone and on top of those all receivers, I think it's just a little too much. And I think Juju might get left out in the cold. 
Yeah, Juju's a, a tough one um, for me because, you know, it seems like Ben still likes him. He had 128 targets last year, did have nine touchdowns. Obviously, the yards per reception were pathetic at 8.6 uh, because Ben just wasn't really throwing that deep. Also, in the preseason, and preseason usage doesn't always tell the story, but Claypool wasn't in there on three wide sets because Claypool's a ridiculous talent. We've seen it. So that's been the difficult part. I've taken Deontay Johnson, no problem. And then Claypool, I've taken it some best ball. I have taken Juju as well. But the thing is, one or two of these receivers is likely going to disappoint. Because because Ben is going so late. No one wants Ben, but yet everyone wants the three receivers. And I completely agree (laughs) on Harris. Harris is, look, here's the thing with with Harris, okay? People are like, well, the Steelers offensive line, this and that. It doesn't matter. This is about volume and fantasy. He's going to get... 280 carries even if he averages three and a half yards per carry that's 980 yards rushing he's gonna score touchdowns and he's gonna catch the football so even if the offensive line is bad again the volume is going to trump that uh but yeah the Steelers are so interesting for fantasy because those three receivers are all going in the top six rounds so um I'm still open to Juju but I I I can't see where it does go bad uh because it's it's pro- one of those guys, if not two, are going to disappoint or we're all wrong on Ben. And Ben is going to be yeah. <laughs> a, a tremendous value. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you have Devontae Parker moving down the list. Uh, the Dolphins obviously have a multitude of options at wide receiver. You know, Parker is someone that for years I liked. And then I've always said this. We can look at talent, see guys come out of college and sit there and wonder, well, why isn't this working out? We don't know what these guys do off the field because I remember reading stories about Parker, how he wasn't eating breakfast. He wasn't hydrating properly. Like the things that we think, oh, well, they're professional athletes. They're going to do all these things. We don't know how they eat. We don't know if they're out partying all the time. Like we just don't know this stuff. And when I read that story about Parker a couple of years ago, I was like, wow. And they said, yeah, he's he's taking care of this now. He's going to be good. And then, of course, he had the good year and his fifth year breakout. But he's already dealing with injuries. So why is Parker moving down? Yeah, for me, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, just, you know, unfortunately, of the three main receiving options with uh, Waddle, Fuller and Parker, um, Devontae is the lowest ADP, which might make you think, okay, well, if he's the lowest, are you going off and grabbing him? But it's a lot different than the situation of like uh, choosing between ADP of like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, where you're like, oh, yeah, Antonio Brown's a fantastic value. I'm not I don't have that same feeling with Devontae Parker. Um, there's too many weapons. You've got Gasecki that's out there. Then Miles Gaskin as well. That's out there is a great pass catching option. And as the preseason the season is just moving forward and we're just seeing more and hearing more. I, I don't have a lot of faith that Parker's going to be anything but the wide receiver three in this offense. So I just don't think he's going to be highly consistent. And I don't think he'll repeat his 2020 production. Yeah, I think I don't have any Devontae Parker, even though he is cheap. So you, you do make a point. Sometimes there's if you're just down on a player, don't take him. It's a lesson I learned years ago. And I think people do make that mistake, especially if you're in a draft with sharp people and you guys all agree on a player and you're sitting there and it's like round eight. You're like, why is this guy still on the board? I really don't like him, but I should I take him? No, don't fall into that trap. If you just don't like mm-hmm. a guy, don't take him. Uh, that's a. Uh, a piece of advice I can give as I learned that years ago. I was like, oh, there's players here. I'm going to take them. It did not work out. So just stay away from the players that you don't like. We're going to be wrong on some, but you don't want to look back and go, ah, I knew it. I didn't want to take them. Why did I fall into the value trap? And it happens to many people. 
Next up on the list, DJ Chark. It looks like he could be ready for week one, but yeah, Chark was going as the first receiver off the board for Jacksonville, and now in many yeah. drafts, he's the third. Mm-hmm. So for me with Chark, I'm just, even if he's ready to play in week one, we've seen him play through injuries that are still in the, still in the process of healing, and it just hasn't gone well. And I'm not convinced that he'll finish as the wide receiver one on that team. I think that with the Travis ETN loss, which I'm very sad about, um, unfortunately, uh, I think it benefits LaVishka Chenault. And he's going to be able to step up more and get more targets. And then I think, you know, when you look at Marvin Jones, he's Marvin Jones is just one of those guys where you're like, ah, Marvin Jones, you know, it's not a big deal. But you know what? It ends up being a big deal. He ends up getting a lot of targets. He's a very reliable option for the quarterback. And, you know, for a rookie, throwing to someone like Marvin Jones is very appealing. So, Chark is just too high for me. I'm just a little concerned and I'm, I'm just avoiding him. Yeah, I did get him in the Scott fishbowl, which was early July because I had Trevor Lawrence and Chenault went one pick before me. So I said, all right, I'll take Chark. And uh, I have not drafted him since. So I'm hoping at least he can do something so I can at least be solid in that league. But yeah, since then I have not taken Chark. So I agree with you. He's definitely falling down my draft board. Now, the next player is very interesting because I keep going back and forth on him, and I have zero. That's DeAndre Swift. But the other night when I was in my online draft where I started uh, running back two receivers, round four, I was like, do I take Swift? And I passed on him. He went two picks later. The talent is there. I had him in a lot of leagues last year. Obviously, the price was much cheaper. And I see both sides of it. So give me your side on why he's moving down. Yeah, so I completely agree with you. He he goes back and forth for me, which means that I'm avoiding him just because I'm not 100% certain on him. My problem is, is that um, I really do believe that Anthony Lynn likes Jamal Williams. And I like Jamal Williams as a Packers fan. Um, so I know him very well. You know, he's a very well-rounded player. And if he is given the opportunity, I mean, he's going to be able to get carries right off the bat, even with Swift, um, just from the way that Anthony Lynn has spoken about him. But if he goes down, um, Jamal Williams can be that three down back. He can he can run the ball um, on short yardage. He's a very good pass catching back. He can do it all. So um, I'm a little bit concerned that if Jamal Williams is able to start this in week one and it's trending towards that DeAndre Swift is not going to be able to, do they just kind of do they do they get a little comfortable with saying, let's make sure that DeAndre Swift is truly healed? Jamal Williams can handle it. Maybe we can, uh, you know, mix in um, Jamar Jefferson a little bit. And they feel good about the fact that they can sit there and truly let um, DeAndre Swift heal. So that makes me that's what makes me a little bit concerned for where he's going, because if you if you look at his ADP versus where, you know, experts are ranking him, his ADP is uh, and expert rankings are still pretty high. So I'm a little bit concerned about that when being able to take other guys before him. Um you know, it's it's kind of a catch-22 because it's very possible that it, they really do turn out to be that um, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram light version that Detroit wants them to be so badly. So it's very possible, but I'm willing to take the loss on that one just to be safe. Yeah, and sometimes you have to understand that, that there will be a loss. And, you know, the other side of it to me is 
I could see him being second on this team in targets. I think we believe TJ Hawkinson should lead them in targets. That wide receiver core is an absolute disaster. Tyrell Williams as your number one, and he's already <laughs> banged up. And, you know, Swift is obviously great in the passing game. Uh, and he's dynamic, too. Uh, but he's banged up right now. And like you said, Anthony Lynn has already said it. They want, and if you look at his history, he likes to use two backs. Uh, so Williams might cut into the carries. I still think Swift can be heavily involved in the passing game and maybe catch 70 to 80 passes if he can stay healthy. But that's the the other risk is can he stay healthy? So he's been so, I guess, I mean, it has been difficult, but I've avoided him. So I guess I'm on your yeah. side where we're kind of uncertain and we kind of see the ability for him to pan out, but we're hesitating, which means we're not in. I mean, that's, I always say, you can sit here and talk about players all you want. Oh, do this, do that. You don't know until you're on the clock, uh, exactly. especially with the money on the line. Now, I know not everyone plays a big money league, so I'm not saying it has to be money. But I, at least for me, I don't care what league I'm in. My name's on it. So if yeah. it's an industry, like I, I take pride in it and I play to the end. So, But I always say you don't know until you're on that clock. And you got a minute to go and you're deciding that's the telltale sign. And, you know, when I did it the other night, I passed on him. So I guess uh, we're both uh, feeling that way about Swift right now. Yep, completely agree. And then, you know, where you're having to take him, you're having to take him as your solid RB, too. You know, you can't wait around on him. He won't come back around to you. And it's just, you know, that's, again, one of those choices that you got to make. Am I going to sit right here and take him or I'm going to wait a little bit and I'm just going to, you know, fade a little bit and go with someone else? Yeah, and then there's just in that range, there's just so many good wide receivers where you pretty much know what their target share is going to be. And outside of injury, which is the case for every player, you just feel more solid about them. And that's the problem as you get past the top running backs. Like they all have some question marks where whether it's injury or uh, touch question marks. So there's just so many things in that range. And, you know, if you're picking third, fourth round, you want to make sure that you have a pretty solid base. And I think that's where people have lost leagues the last few years. I've said it. I was talking about it last year, how a lot of those running backs around three, four, and five are just going to disappoint. And they absolutely did. Yep. All right, Tara, it was great talking to you. Let people know where they can find your work, follow you on social media. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, you can find me at it's Tara time on Twitter. That's Tara with an E T E R A. I know it's odd, but <laughs> thank you, mom and dad. But that is the best place to find me and all of my content. I post it there. I, as you mentioned, I'm the co-host on the dynasty vipers show. Um, we have a live YouTube show that is uh, currently, I think we've got one more show on Monday, but in season we're moving to Wednesday nights. So you can catch me on there. We do a behind the grind series where we interview, you know, fantastic analysts across the industry and really get to know them and deep dive into them. It's a really fun series if anyone wants to check that out. Um, and then I am now a contributing analyst for Fantasy Pros. So I've got a, um, a weekly series with uh, Lauren Carpenter where we do Ask the Expert um, session where we take questions from social media, answer, try to help everyone out. And then I've got um, individual videos as well. You can catch me on the Fantasy Pros TikTok. And then, you know, keep an eye out, eye out on my Twitter as well for some other things that are coming up in season. Very excited and just can't wait to share with you guys. All right, well, make sure you check her out. That wraps it up here for Annie Up. I'll catch you guys next week. Enjoy the holiday weekend.